Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. West Ham have money coming out of their ears. For the fifth season in a row, they're included in the top 20 of the list of the richest clubs in world football. In fact, they're supposedly richer than Everton, who've been spending money like a student during Freshers' Week. So why, we ask, are the Hammers so terrible on yesterday's podcast we discussed a possible plump for pochettino at manchester united one of you tweeted us at the sports social to tell us we were chatting nonsense and Maurizio is not the man for united we'll find out why plus in the wake of a new series of love island starting this week hallelujah some football on the telly instead fa cup replays of course Having looked at what games they've chosen, I think Love Island might be a better option for me tonight. Why are the TV games lately such rubbish choices? Plenty to discuss here on Football Social Daily from Sports Social, your only daily Premier League podcast. However you listen to your podcast, hit subscribe or follow or whatever it may be to get the next episode straight to your device whenever it's ready. I'm Niall. Joining me in the Sports Social studio today, we have the Battle of the Wests. Passive aggressive West Ham fan Jim Salverson. Passive aggressive. Yes. I always feel when you want to talk about West Ham, there is an underlying current of anger coming. I from try your voice. and be level with it, but I find it so difficult. And I think that's 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 the tone for today. We'll be trying to be level, but getting secretly angry under the water. And making his podcast debut, we have West Bromwich Albion supporter Lee Whitehouse. Hello, Lee. Hi guys. How well, are you? Yeah, we're good. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Baggy's no going good guns in the championship, aren't they? We are, mate. Yeah, we're playing really well at the moment. We've well, we've. We had a difficult Christmas, and uh, but yeah, if you'd have told us at the start of the season, seven points clear of third going into mid-January, you know we had a, we had a great start. We just need to a bit of investment. I think we need we're looking for a striker. So if we can get somebody in to to start scoring the goals up front, I mean we've done it pretty much uh, without a decent striker. Uh, Charlie Austin was the big signing. Summer yeah. hasn't really delivered. Uh, mainly due to the style we played, to be honest. But It'll be yeah. interesting to see how Billich can do second season. Oh, yeah, well. it's Battle of the Billich. Yeah. <laughs> but, because <laughs> I mean, about that when well. he came to West Ham, absolutely brilliant first season. He kind of he built this bond with the team yeah. and got them all performing and playing together. And then the further it went on, the less that seemed to have an impact and the right. more they seemed to fall apart and the less discipline there was in the squad. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens with West Brom, whether it's the same thing or whether he's learnt from his mistakes. Well, it does seem to be the wheels will feel a little bit like they're coming off at the moment. There's <laughs> a, lot, a lot of draws lately. So, uh, the but, worst feeling but in the, the world. Although Leeds look like they're about to plummet as well. So actually, that might save us a little bit. Brentford, Brentford are flying. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? we see whether West Brom and Leeds or both perhaps could be in the Premier League next season. But first off, let's talk about your team, Jim. Let's talk about West Ham. It's the time of the year where all the lists and accounts come out about how deep the pockets are of our Premier League clubs. And for the fifth consecutive year, West Ham have made the top 20 in the list of the richest football clubs in the world. In fact, they're 13th, which puts them ahead of Everton. And we all know how much money Everton have spent. So why then are things so laboured at the London Stadium, in your opinion? It's the biggest mystery in football, isn't it? And you look at that list that you're talking about, that you're referring to the richest clubs. I think West Ham are the only team in that list to have never chanced or never tasted Champions League football as well which is also says a lot about the club and I, it does wind me up because West Ham are a club that are set up for success they've got a large fan base they've got I'm going to say world-class football stadium when in reality it's a world-class stadium on size events rather stadium, than the ability <laughs> to be there there's a potential for growth there's a strong ba- brand there's a London location they are consistently in the top five or six clubs for merchandise 
sales, which shows there is a fan base there, and yet consistently it fails to live up to the expectations. And I don't quite know why that is. The only thing I can put it down to is a mismanagement of the club at board level, uh, an inability. And I don't know what it is. And we talked about this before on the podcast. West Ham fans have been promised European football. They've been promised that leaving the bowling ground would mean that would allow the club to step up and invest in players and become a Champions League contending club, as mm. in contending for a place in the Champions League rather than contending for the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. That'd be something, wouldn't yeah. it? And it just hasn't happened. And I don't know whether it is... I said the other day, it's lies from the board. There is no intention of the club getting to that status of them spending money to get the club into that area. It's either lies or it's mismanagement and incompetence. And neither looks particularly good on the Davids and Karen Brady. But it's there's something rotten at West Ham and it's very difficult to put your finger on what it is. Because I feel like I'm moaning... When you look at clubs who aren't as fortunate as West Ham, and we're, we're the wrong end of the table at the moment, but clubs who are struggling financially, who are concerned with the future of their very yeah. being. I mean, West Ham are nowhere near that status, and credit has to go to Golden Sullivan, who saved us from being in that status. They saved us from financial ruin. But at the same time... <laughs> Cheers, lads. Yeah. Job's done. Yeah. Thank Job's you very done, much. Yeah. Well, that's On your kind way. of it. There just doesn't seem to be the investment in the team and the managers and the backroom staff that being on this list of the 20 mm. richest it's, football clubs would suggest we should have. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because they're also supporters of the club and they, you know, they, mm. they, they pride themselves on the fact they are supporters of West Ham yeah. and, they, and you know, they've, they've come in and they've made this, they've ultimately saved the club and got yourself into a very secure, obviously, if you're in the top 20 uh, richest clubs in the world. But it's, it's unusual that a, a chairman who love the club that much and have got this money, won't invest it. It just seems bizarre to me that yeah. they're not willing to put it. Is it a fear factor? Are they worried about putting the club in a in a difficult financial position? I wonder whether it's, a diff- it's having a grasp on modern football. And I think it's very difficult now to run a football club and make money out of that football club. They're used to, I mean, you look at the clubs they've gone into before and they have made a profit on every single club they've been into in terms of money taken out of the club during their tenure and also the amount they sold the club for, Birmingham City being a prime example. They want to run a football club and I, I believe they love the football club and they have invested money, but they want to run it as a financial concern as well. They want to make yeah. money off it and they, the way they got the club out of financial difficulties in the first place was big loans to the football club. They didn't gift money to the football club. They loaned money to the football club. Portions of that loan have been paid off, but they still, in a similar way to Manchester United and the Glazers, they take money back back off that loan on a season-by-season basis. So what are they waiting for then, do you think? Are they waiting for... 2023. Are they waiting for a certain time period? 2023. Why Why would that be? What year's significant about that? The deal with the Olympic Stadium... If the club is sold before 2023, they have to pay a portion of money back to the taxpayer. Currently, that would be around £125 million. Six, pounds. Oh, six, wow. six quid. So the club's, <laughs> value, the club's valued between £800 million and a bit, something like that. And I think they'd have to pay, on current figures, £125 million back to the British taxpayer for the deal that was done on the Olympic Stadium until 2023, when that goes to zero. Fascinating. Wow. So that's what they're waiting for. I, I, I genuinely believe. I don't think they'll sell the club before that moment. So are they just hoping that they strike gold and get a, a team which gets them into the Europa League or the Champions League in that period of time? Because, you know, we're in 2020 now. By 2023, that'll be upon us before you know it. And in terms of the investment that the owners have made in the playing squad and the managers that they've had over that time, mm. it's not really worked out for West Ham. Well, I don't think they've. I think it's a bit of a 
a false fact, if you like, that they've invested heavily in the playing squad because the net spend isn't actually that much. It's around 150 million quid over five seasons, which puts you about middle of the Premier League table in terms of spend. And that doesn't take into account the players that have come off the wage bill in that time. So recently, Chikorito and Joe Hart and Andy Carroll, Arnautovic, all big earners who have been taken off the wage bill. It also doesn't take into account the money that was made on the sale of Upton Park. Sure. Which is a right. massive bit of London <laughs> real estate. Yeah. Don't know if you know, real estate's quite expensive in London. So, I mean, they're, they're making a decent profit out of this club and mm. the investment isn't going back into it. And there have been positive steps forward. Manuel Pellegrini was a positive step forward. I think <laughs> it didn't work out, but it was a genuine attempt to change the football club and the yeah. ambitions of the yeah. football club. Getting in a director of football was a positive step forward. And again, it didn't work out, which is why I, I kind of stuck between this position of, is it incompetence? Or is it? Are they just too old for the it, job? Is that what? I think that's, this is what I, I, I said a few weeks it. ago. I said I think when they West get modern football. Yeah, when West Ham moved from the Billing Ground or Upton Park, whatever you want to call it, to the London Stadium, they changed branding. It was a totally cha- different change of direction. It felt like the club was just regenerated yeah. completely, and that their sort of blueprint for what they wanted in the future in terms of success was totally different. And I think that the blueprint of the old West Ham fits Golden Sullivan quite nicely. The blueprint of this new yeah. modern West Ham doesn't. I think that's the problem. I think you look at the clubs who have done very similar things in recent history and have competed and have done it well. And I'm thinking about Wolverhampton Wanderers and Leicester City, who have both appointed directors of football, have Mm. both got boards that believe in the progress of the club, have both built themselves identities and moved into uh, Wolverhampton, moved into a new stadium, Leicester City have. And they've, they've kind of done it right. They've looked at every aspect of the football club and gone, well, this is what we need to move forward. Whereas I think West Ham have gone... We'll get a new badge. We'll move into this stadium, which is going to save us money, but also looks really good and might get us bigger gates. But we're not going to look at the the structure from top to bottom. You mentioned Wolves there. Though. I mean, that first year when uh, uh, Nuno came in, they they were pretty average mm. as a team. They were a Championship club. The, the owners came in, they had these big plans. I mean, I've got a lot of mates who are Wolves Wolves fans, and they were telling me he's got this five year plan, Champions League football after five years, and we were all. You know, scoffing at us, whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know. They were championship at the time. I mean, they finished around 15th that season. Um, and then they got this um, deal with the super agent. Oh, Jorge uh, Mendes. Yeah, and mm. that seems to have triggered a whole new... They've gone down this young Portuguese route. Yeah. Their, their team is heavily... And it, it, that has, I mean, ultimately it's given them an identity, but they've almost kind of fell upon it. But the one thing I'd say with them is that they never looked at Nuno as a, we're going to sack him. It was always even finishing mid-table in the yeah, championship, you know, they've got these grand plans, it was always, this is our guy. It was a project, you, wasn't it? Yeah, and you always, when I look at West Ham, you always think to yourself, they're always just another six months away from the next sacking. I mean, yeah. Moyes has come yeah. in, he said he's going to come in and fix everything, but or try and fix everything he got wrong the first time round. But you, you ultimately feel, well, if he doesn't get anywhere near the top 10 minimum, he's going to get another... Well, he's only got Change an eighteen-month contract so, for a start, yeah. which isn't, doesn't suggest he's the man for the job. Yeah. But in their eyes, when you're given an eighteen-month contract, and there is an option to extend, but it would seem that they're ready to hmm. to shift at some yeah. point again to whatever that next thing will be. Do you think that is where the problem is with West Ham? There is no long-term plan. There is no vision for the club, and we're going to pick our man, stick with him completely, and you know, try and stay in the Premier League first, but then kick on from there because you've ultimately got to be there, and then. 
I think it's that it's, it's the structure of the football club that isn't quite there. And like I say, they took this step to having a director of football to kind of oversee things, but I don't think he was given full responsibility. And there was even talk because the director of football, uh, Julius, 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 I can't pronounce his name, left left <laughs> alongside uh, Pellegrini. And they're talking about getting a new director of football in. And they're talking about Jack Sullivan, who's oh, okay. David Sullivan's <laughs> bloody son, but as being the new director of football. And it's like... This is this is a, like a twenty-one-year-old lad who I think he's in charge yeah. of West Ham ladies at the he moment. Is, yeah, yeah, he may, right. he does his scouting on Football yeah. Manager probably or something mm-hmm. like. That. I mean, that's maybe doing him a disservice, but he's not <laughs> the man who's going to shape the vision of the football yeah. club, is he? Going back to Moise, you've also brought in an old, well, I'd class as an old school yeah. manager, somebody yeah. who'll go into a club and try and run the lot. You haven't brought in what you know, the, like the foreign guys who walk in. They go, well, no, I'm I'm not in charge of transfers. I'm, this, you know, you give me twenty-two players. I will make them play. That's what mm. my job yeah. is, and I'll take responsibility a coach rather yeah. than a manager. Well, that's what is, they are. They're all yeah. head coaches these days, aren't they? Whereas, again, probably going back to are they too yeah. too old school for for modern day football? Well, appointed Moy suggests. Well, actually, yeah, they are. Yeah, it's. I think it's for them for the club to move forward. I think they need to take a step back. And I think if you want to keep Karen Brady on, keep Karen Brady on. She can be in charge of business development. <laughs> I think she's just as much part of the problem. She's as the a businesswoman. Let, really let her do the business side of things. Fine, that's not a problem. Let her arrange gigs at the stadium or deal with sponsorship, all that kind of thing. Keep her away from football. Golden Sullivan can sit in the director's box and wear their funny hats and do whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> Drive their Rolls Royces. And let yeah. other people who know how to run a football club look after the football club. Here are some tweets from West Ham fans that I've found. Oh, good. <laughs> David Silver says, West Ham are the Newcastle United of the South, a club doing the bare minimum to survive <laughs> on the pitch. So it remains a vehicle to exploit the hearts, minds and wallets of its loyal fan base off of it. Wake up and smell the popcorn instead of smell the coffee, which I thought was quite smart. Yep. You know, entertainment yep. business and all that. Another tweet, uh, West Ham Somerset says, we're being fleeced. There is money. The border lying. They've lied to us over and over again. They're not fans. They're using us as a cash cow. Everyone needs to wake up and chase them out of the club. So there is almost a movement developing here where people are starting to get so annoyed to the point where they do want a change at the top. I think it's worse than that. I think we've moved on beyond people getting angry and we saw last season protests on the pitch which prompted a little bit of investment and prompted the appointment of Manuel Pellegrini ultimately and people directing a lot of anger at the board level. I think this season it's much more dangerous and much worse because I think there's apathy setting in. I think there's an acceptance that West Ham are not the club they used to be (laughs) and people are turning away from the club. At the moment we've got a 60,000 seat stadium and it's pretty much sold out every single game not because there's people in the stadium because they sold the season tickets ridiculously cheap so people have bought season tickets and go to three (laughs) four games a season but I think there's an app I think people are going well this isn't the club I grew up supporting this isn't the club that were playing at the bowling ground there's not the passion there there's not the atmosphere and they are turning their back on the football club and they're going to lower league football and they don't care as much about West Ham and that is a really dangerous place for the football club to be and that will continue and get worse unless there is a dramatic change. There is a, to flip it a little bit on his head though, are they not, with these owners, is he not sometimes the better the devil you'll know? So when I think about West Brom, we had uh, Jeremy Peace in for quite a while and the fact, me included, we were moaning constantly, go and spend the money, we're in the Premier League, we need to invest more. Mm. We had eight years, eight successful years in the, in the Premier League buying the last one um, where it all kind of fell apart and that was actually under new ownership. The moment we brought in an owner who's a Chinese owner he wasn't interested. I think he's been to two games the mm. entire time. He's owned the club for about three years. Uh, he's he's just not interested in the club. He's, not, we appoint, he's appointed chair, 
different chairman to run the club while he's out in China looking after his other businesses. At least these guys are hands-on and they are at the grounds and they are turn up. I mean, you can you can get lucky like a Wolves, mm. where Wolves have, have managed to get a chairman or an owner who's come in, he, he's, he's passionate, he goes to all the games and you see him with the fans in the pubs. It's quite rare yeah. to see that. You do yeah. see that. It's rare to see that, yeah. But you could also end up with... Um, bit like West Brom or a, a Birmingham City. Mm. I'm, I'm obviously going through the Midlands bits really, but you know they had the foreign ownership come in. Villa had foreign ownership come in. I mean, Villa nearly went bump. If Villa hadn't gone up, got promoted last season, they'd be deducted twelve points this mm. season because of um, financial fair play. It's just you know sometimes it, we we look at these owners and and we want to we want more. And we all want more because I think that's what the Premier League's bringing now. Because we we do say it's the you know it's the richest league in the world mm. and all this investment coming in. But actually, outside of the top six, all those clubs are so close that actually if you're 16th or whether you're 7th, actually you're not far away from each other in, yeah. in a way. You can tell that and from the league table this season as well. Yeah, it's so close, in there? It's really, so, really tight. I in think the it's league. expectations that are key, though, and what's yeah. being promised from the board. And if West Ham were currently playing their football at the Bolin and in exactly the same position that they are now and potentially getting relegated, I think fans would be much happier mm. than being in the... Um, Olympic yeah. Stadium and being 10th, for example. I think we've been promised something that is doesn't appear to be achievable at the moment and doesn't even appear to be a roadmap to get to where it's achievable. And I think because those promises have been made and regaled on, that is where the tension is coming from. It's almost like the moving of the ground away from that historic place. I mean, it was always a difficult place to go. Very you know, Where's the cliche, Bell? <laughs> first one, first one of his first one on his debut as well. Daily career, he's got yeah. the cliche there, but he's right. He is right, and I think that was a huge change. I mean, I think you've used the words on the podcast before, Jim. Spiritual home. Yeah, I think it definitely feels like that for West Ham. It's always difficult. It is always difficult, and we await with interest to see what happens at West Ham. Time to take a quick break now, though. On Football Social Daily, we'll be back with more after this, talking about Maurizio Pochettino and Manchester United. There's a story we've heard before. Don't go anywhere. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe. You'll never miss another show again. Follow us on Twitter also. It's at the Sports Social and at Sports Social on Instagram too if you want to get involved over there. And we do like when you get involved on the show. Yesterday we talked about whether Manchester United should bin Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in favour of Maurizio Pochettino before Barcelona might have swooped in for him. Now we know that Barcelona haven't gone for Pochettino. They've employed the former Real Betis manager. But one supporter listening to the show yesterday didn't think Poch was the answer to Manchester United's worries. And he points to Maurizio Pochettino's signings as well. Johnny White on Twitter has got in contact with us at the Sports Social. He said, your talk about Manchester United missing out on Poch was hilarious. Why would that be such a loss? So we could finish top four at best. The man achieved nothing after inheriting a good squad built by other managers. How would he do inheriting the worst United squad we've ever seen? He's not the answer on your show. You should look at all of these complete turkeys the man signed. And then he's provided a list of all of Maurizio Pochettino's signings, which I'll go through in a moment. Pochettino, you can't hide from the fact he hasn't won a trophy which is a big negative for some Manchester United fans. But I don't think you can hide from the fact that he has achieved a lot, particularly with Spurs as well. Champions League final, consistent top four finishes, finishing above Arsenal for pretty much every season he's been in charge. 
that's with a net spend of under a hundred million pounds over a five-year period, mm. which only and I've got a list here of the clubs who have spent less in the last five years than Mauricio Pochettino at Spurs. How many clubs do you think there are in the Premier League that have spent less in the current Premier League table? Three. Exactly. Is Shef- there three? Sheffield three? United, Southampton, and Norwich City—the oh. only clubs that have invested less than Pochettino did in his playing squad. And to achieve what he did with that spend, I think is phenomenal. And you have to take into account the football that was being played on the pitch as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, I mean, Spurs fans now are already harping back to the days of Richard Pochettino. Now they're putting up with Jose Mourinho's football. (laughs) How how can you not credit him with being a great manager? They're unrecognisable from when he went in there, Lee, to be fair, five years ago in 2014. And I'll go through the list of signings in a second. Wasn't it Tim Sherwood that was the manager? They went from Tim Sherwood to Pochettino. I think the the point is, though, that, that Tottenham now are on a completely different footing to what they were when he went in there. And I'm not saying Maurizio Pochettino built the new ground brick by brick and he laid the cement himself. I'm just saying that, you know, it's definitely been a change from top to bottom since he's been involved. And I don't think that's a coincidence. No, it's not. I think he's a very good manager. You've got to look at the... He was quite fortunate when he went in in terms of the the youth that were there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mean, the one thing that Tim Sherwood did bring or did look at when he was in charge, and he has spoke about this quite a bit, is... You know, he he focused on the youth. That's mm. all he had. He didn't really. Have, Levy wouldn't give him any money. Let's be honest. He's no, quite no, no. tight. Yeah. So he had to focus on the youth. I mean, I think they. Um, he was the one who promoted Harry Kane, and then Pochettino took that on. But the quality in what they've delivered over the last four or five years has been brilliant. Mm. Now, when he, but then he highlighted the fact that they needed investment. He knew that squad was coming to an end. Everyone saw it. Yeah. To not change your squad or to go through transfer windows and not actually do anything at all which was very yeah. strong highlight last season you know to actually go through that when he's asking for money he yeah he's the he's a guy coaching these players he knows when he needs the investment to not get it that's they've just basically under well leave he's undermining him totally in, yeah. my, in my opinion man united fans saying that they wouldn't have this guy well you know as much as he's not won anything what Solskjaer in reality done a league you know, title with Molder Mold, in Norway, Mold yeah. in Norway. Yeah. but that's a you know, that's miles away from where we are in terms of Premier League to get these guys up there yeah I think he they probably should have won the league when Leicester did in reality they were chasing mm. Leicester down but that was an unbelievable season for Leicester let's not yeah. take that away from them these they've been consistent over you know under him like I say Champions League final Spurs fans would have dreamed about that mm. five, five six years and ago and they got closer know. than they ever have before yeah. to well, ever have for a good 30 years or whatever it is for Spurs to actually get a trophy in that time. So much closer. They've made so many strides under Pochettino to write him off because he's not won anything. Not If he'd got a League Cup, would that be all right? If he'd won the League Cup, would that make him a great manager? I think anything. Anything that he can just get rid of that tag of he's never won a trophy. I think that is really what's been looming over him for who, most of the time. Who do Manchester United fans think Manchester United is as well at the moment that they can afford to turn down the likes of Pochettino? They had David Moyes and ruined his career pretty much. They had Louis van Gaal and binned him off. They had Jose Mourinho, who since he left Manchester United is in some kind of career last chance (laughs) saloon at Spurs. And they've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who now will not get another job in English football when he is sacked by Manchester United. And he will be sacked by Manchester United. So who do they think they are that they have the right to demand that they get a great world-class football manager in? Because I tell you what, the likes of Jurgen Klopp and the likes of Pep Guardiola will not go to Manchester United. <laughs> no. When you look at what Manchester City did to attract Pep Guardiola to that football club, 
They built him a world-class training facility. They built mm. him a youth academy. Three years before he arrived, they got the youth academy to start playing his style of football so it was ready for his arrival. They brought his team around him to build this perfect environment. Mm. Manchester United won't do that. They've got a board who are interested in making money above anything else. They've got a chairman who thinks he's playing a real-life game of football manager. <laughs> if, I mean, they won't get the level of manager they expect. And I'd be questioning whether even <laughs> well, Mauricio Pochettino wants what, to go into that scenario. What, what do they actually expect, Man United fans these days? I mean, what, what are they actually believing they, where they should be? Are they believing they should be challenging the top two? Because they're a million miles away at the moment. And ever, I mean, they had, they've gone through a reign of 23 years under Fergie where he controlled everything. And that's old school yeah. in a football club. They, they mm. haven't adapted. They haven't brought in a director of football. They're still kind of tweeting on about well oh are we actually going to go are they actually going to go and do that and and then when they talk about a director of football they're talking about getting in one of the old boys yeah, who Rio Ferdinand got, was yeah Ferdinand cool. or um, Edwin van der Sar wouldn't be a bad shout actually but someone who is a kind of a yes man of Edward would essentially <laughs> yeah. right okay let's have a look at the Tottenham Hotspur signings made under Maurizio Pochettino which leads me to play a little bit of this. We're going to play deal or no deal. We're going to play flop or no flop with Maurizio Pochettino's transfers. So if you're ready, we'll start with Michel Vorm, signed from Swansea for 5.12 million. Flop or no flop? Wasn't he bought in as a second choice keeper? He's a second choice keeper. I don't. I think that's harsh to call him a flop. Yeah, I think think that's did a job. We'll give him a tick for now. What about Eric Dyer? He started well, signed from Sporting Lisbon in July 2014. Four and a half million, what we're saying. Did Eric Dyer come from Sporting Lisbon? He grew up in Portugal. I did not know that. Did you not know? I did not know. That's why he's a strange accent. He grew up there. So For four and a half million, that is a bargain. I I I would say. Even though he's been poor recently... That's not a bad sign. Spurs seems to be struggling to play him in the right position at the moment. They yeah. can't decide whether he wants to play centre-back or defensive, defensive midfielder. midfielder yeah. And I think he'll come good again. He's okay. in a sticky yeah. patch at the moment. Deal. We'll deal. deal. Deal for him. DeAndre Yedlin signed from Seattle Sounders for £2.34 million in August 2014. He still plays in the Premier League. He starts often for Newcastle United. Deal or no deal? Maybe not for Spurs, but in terms of quality of player for the price. £2.3 million, though. It's a bit of nothing. That buys you a... Bag of popcorn at London <laughs> Stadium does, yeah. or Daniel Sturridge, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. yeah, I think that's, I think that's not <laughs> yeah. too bad. Either. Okay, it's, what are you saying, Lee? I think yeah, for the for the price tag, you could probably say he's got it just about. For, for, he's no Spurs shirt, probably not. He's probably a flop in a Spurs shirt. Okay, so. three out of three. We'll just go for that one then. Uh, Federico Fazio signed for nine million from Sevilla. For me, I'm going straight in. <laughs> not having him at all. I don't, flop. I, I don't, Absolute I, flop. I've never heard of him. Yeah, so. I, was gonna say, I don't remember him at all. So yeah. he got have had that much of an impact. Yeah, yeah. He must have been terrible. We're definitely giving him the big red buzzer. Benjamin Stambouli signed from Montpellier for five and a half million pounds. Again, another case of the big red buzzer for me. Yeah. Again, failed to have a real impact, so it's difficult to say it was a success. But, but not much money. Again, yeah, not much no money. money there, is it? Well, especially when you consider for six million. Pochettino picked up Deli Ali from MK Dons. Oh, There's a double green bell for me there. Yeah, I mean, he dropped off last season. One of the performances that probably led mm. to Pochettino's exit was his lack of form, but mm, he's picked yeah. it back up against under Jose Mourinho. He's delivered time and time again in an England shirt as well as a Spurs shirt. Yeah, great yeah. signing. Brilliant yeah, signing. sounds good to me. Kevin Vimmer signed from Cologne for £5.4 million, June 2015. I'm not so sure about Kevin mm. Vimmer, you know. I'm going to give him for me personally. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll yeah. go with that one. 
Kieran Trippier signed from Burnley for £4.4 million. He was much maligned by Spurs yeah. fans, wasn't he? But I think he's, he's a, a good player. player. I think he's a really good player. Sold him to Atletico Madrid for £20 million. Quid. He can't be that bad. £15 can million pound in profit. That's uh, yeah. You wouldn't get it, that on an ISA. Their most successful <laughs> season, he was flying down that, was, um, down that wing, wasn't he? He's, he? I think he's a really good player. He's underrated, Kieran Trippier. Let's not forget that our man Johnny White on Twitter called all of these signings turkeys, or at least most of them anyway. Toby Alderweireld signed from Atletico Madrid for £14.4 million. I think he's been a pretty I good success. I think he's, for, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely. been a rock at the heart of Spurs defence. There was talk of him going to Manchester United, wasn't there, a couple of seasons ago, thus were his performances. The, the thing with him is that I think what's killed him a little bit is all this transfer talk and the fact that there was rumours he wants to leave and yeah. everything else. But actually, as, as defenders go, he's one of the best in the league. Yeah, yeah I, think he, I think he's been excellent for them, to be honest. I don't think you can, can begrudge anyone spending that money on a top-class centre-half. Clinton and GA signed from Lyon for £12.69 million in August 2015 I think we can all agree yep who is that <laughs> does anyone have any <laughs> idea who that is who and that the is. final one Hyung Min Son signed from Bayer Leverkusen for £27 million in August 2015 which is by far the biggest outlay of any of these players that Maurizio Pochettino has spent money on what are we saying I think has yeah. to be doesn't it if he Brilliant. was at another club that didn't have Harry Kane he would be one of the best strikers in the Premier League yeah he's yeah. he's top quality he's class. Um, in total for 12 players that's £109 million and most of them we've given the green light here. Yeah. So actually, in terms of what's been brought in and the job he's done with them, he's turned them from what looks like just four and a half, five million pound players into a lot more than that, as mm. we've seen with Trippier. Alvarez is good. Son's brilliant. Deli Ali's been brilliant. Eric Dyer's been good for the most part. So mm. again, it's kind of we're not trying to sort of myth bust here or, no. or point prove people wrong, no. but I guess there is two sides to every argument. And I think from Johnny's point of view, like I say, he's, he's got no right of reply here. Sorry, Johnny. Sorry. But I think Johnny of Pochettino did come to Manchester United. You might not see a trophy, a Champions League within the first three years, but what you would see is a development of that playing squad and a development in the style of football. Yeah, Whether he'd be given the freedom that he would need to have via the likes of Woodward and the Glazers is another question entirely. But I think he's a quality manager and he'll do well somewhere. I think that's where United need to look at. If they do go and bite the bullet and get Pochettino in, if that's what, if that's really where they want to go, they need to make it a three to five year plan. They need to give him full control. They need to let him do what he needs to do. They've got the money. We know that. They're willing mm. to go and spend. Half the problem at United, I suppose, is the fact that... Um, They've probably got too much money, so everybody put. Every, so as soon as they it's go, a horrible for a player, problem that isn't it? having too much money. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as you go for a player, there's suddenly there's an extra fifteen yeah. million price tag put on. A Manchester but, United tax. Yeah, and, it, and you know that's a, but then that's something that they have to live with yeah. for their own success. Mm. But you know, if you're going to go and do this, they've got to go and stick with it because otherwise they're just going to become jumping around and they'll just finish top top six or mm. you know they'll be a top six club and all that all those. Years in the history, they'll be they could potentially become Liverpool and get lost for all the success that they had, you know, back in the 80s. They mm. could just become that team that just gets lost for another 30 years. I, I always use now. AC Milan as the example. I mean, they were just dominant European mm. force for so many years, had so many world class players and a top manager in Ancelotti. And then, you know, the San Siro starts to fall to bits. I'm not saying Old Trafford's crumbling down, but certainly needs, a, li- certainly <laughs> needs a lick of paint, in my opinion. You know, that just kind of feels like a similar path is being taken by Manchester United. So we eagerly wait and see what happens there. They, of course, are in FA Cup third round action. They have a replay against Wolverhampton Wanderers at Old Trafford tomorrow. But tonight, Tottenham versus Middlesbrough is the featured TV game when 
Watford against Tranmere Rovers in a replay at Prenton Park on the Wirral could have been chosen. We've also got Rochdale against Newcastle United mm. as a possible mm. third-round giant killing. That could have been chosen. Both of those games weren't chosen. <laughs> to me, and I know I'm a neutral Premier League fan in this instance because I support a club which doesn't play in the top flight, but those two games, Watford Tranmere and Rochdale Newcastle, seem more appealing to me to sit down with a beer in front of the telly and watch than Tottenham versus Middlesbrough or Wolves against Manchester United mm. again. I think Wolves against Manchester United is more of a case in point than Tottenham versus Middlesbrough. At least you've got the opportunity for a lower league team yeah. to beat a Premier League team in Tottenham versus Middlesbrough, although it's more than likely that Spurs will do a job as it's at their place. But I, you're right. I mean, the magic of the FA Cup, get the cliche bell going, <laughs> is is seeing the lower league teams mm. playing the big opposition is, and putting yeah. in a performance and those spitting mm. sawdust home ties in front of 200 people that is what you want to see especially at this stage of this competition Mm. for me the FA Cup has lost has lost all has lost all its pizzazz really I don't think until you get to the the quarterfinals I don't think anybody really looks at it uh, from taking from a a fan's point of view of taking it seriously the clubs definitely don't I think if you can get to the last eight and then you've got the you've got the draw and Mm. the draw works for you then suddenly you're in the you could be in the semi-final, a bit like Wolves and Watford last year, semi-finals. Then Wembley the payday as well yeah, for the semi-final. Yeah. Um, but at this stage, it is all about going to those, you know, those yeah. awful old grounds and watching how the big boys really compete with it. Because, but I mean, I, I do say that I think it's, you know the Premier League obviously becomes more important to like these clubs um, and where they where they finish and making sure like for Newcastle, it is more important to finish in the Premier League than probably winning the cup as much as the Geordies would love to win a trophy. Yeah. Um, it is still also the only opportunity they've got to win a trophy. So mm. watching them go to watching Newcastle go to Rochdale will be interesting to see what they actually yeah. did. And and when and also it gives Rochdale a platform to go and show what they can do because we can often forget that you know some of these. The, I mean, obviously, no, you'll know uh, Pompey, me, West Brom. Some of these clubs down there, they play some pretty really good football. Rochdale you know, they want to side. They want to get the ball on the ground. It, it used to be that. The league, league one, league two clubs all used to go in there and watch it. Was you just go and watch them hoof, hoof the ball up to the big man? Yeah. It's not like that anymore, you know. Cliche <laughs> belt, <laughs> smash out to um, the big guy. But it's not like that. You, you know, when Leeds went, I mean, Leeds granted their top championship. When they went to Arsenal, everyone was surprised at how well they played. Mm. But they've been playing like that for two years. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, West Brom are play. We play good football. But then there's a lot of clubs in the um, championship that are playing good football and lower down. Just give you know, let's go and show what they're doing. At the yeah, moment. and we yeah. get to see Premier League football. I mean, you could probably watch it 24 time, hours yeah. a day if you want to. Over the weekend, there's so many televised games. Oh, gotcha. we, we, it's got it coming out of our ears. It's nice to see other teams play. Mm. I remember where I grew up, my local team was Farnborough Town FC. And a few years back, they drew Arsenal in the FA Cup. And it was a home time, it was a televised game, and the buzz around Farnborough, wow. the whole of the city were crazy, or the whole of the town, were, were going crazy for this one fixture. And because it was on telly, mm. the Sun yeah. got involved. Whatever you think about the Sun and their involvement in football is a completely different matter, but they got involved and they branded up the whole of the stadium and they gave Farnborough a massive payday just off the back of that one game being televised. And I know teams get a decent payday anyway from being involved in the FA Cup. But it helps sustain the club for the years to go. And also brought in a new fan base that probably wouldn't have been as engaged in that football club if it was just a tie that was happening rather than being a tie that was on telly. So you've got an extra 1,000 people down there trying to get their mugs on the BBC. It's a shot in the arm, isn't it, for these lower league clubs? And as Lee says, not just a chance for them to show what they can do on the pitch, but certainly off the pitch, the directors and chairman and whatnot will be looking at this thinking this is an opportunity for us to, as you say, bring new supporters in, 
generate new supporters for future years to come. So yeah, that that's one thing. You look at the what, um, Colchester playing Man City in the Carabao this year. That mm. was absolutely brilliant to watch. You know, I mean, I know that they they got beat, but second half they were awesome. Yeah, to watch yeah. what they watch them play against the best players in, in the country mm. and give them a game. You know, the, the manager came off the pitch and he was so proud of his lads and the and the fans were. You could see, you know, what it gave to that club mm. and it, just to do. Let's just go and show that. Let's highlight that you know these small clubs that have got something to offer. I've just googled the Farnborough Town Arsenal game, by the way. It was two thousand and three, and Farnborough made one million pounds from that game oh, being on huge, telly, which would have sustained the club for the future. Whopping! That's brilliant. Uh, anyway, best of luck to everyone playing in the FA Cup replays this evening and tomorrow night as well. But now a quick transfer roundup before we finish the podcast. This comes from the Sun, as you just mentioned, the Sun there, Jim. <laughs> Arteta wants John Stones at Arsenal. Are Arsenal ever going to learn from their mistakes from buying defenders that make oh, mistakes? It makes sense, though, doesn't it, John Stones to Arsenal? He feels like an Arsenal defender, and the reason yeah. it makes sense is why some journalist somewhere has made up the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of them. They put one and one together and made four. I mean, there is going to be a slight concern for City that Arteta's movement to Arsenal is going to see players moving that way, particularly if Pep Guardiola does decide to leave Manchester City, because sure. yeah. my understanding is that Arteta was instrumental in the development of some of those younger players coming through, particularly the likes of John Stones and Raheem Sterling. I think John Stones is a quality player. I think City would be mad to let him go, but he does feel like an Arsenal defender, doesn't he? <laughs> Just because he's got a mistake in him. Yeah. Like he's always David got Luiz. a mistake in him, yeah. Then, you know, this is what you expect from your, your centre-halves these days. You're expecting them to come out and play this passing, passing out from the back. Uh, and if you're not spending... 80, 90 million on these guys, then you know, that's, mm. they're going to make mistakes. Because also, mm. also if one one um, stray pass, mm. you're giving it to the opposition in your own third mm. normally. Ball-playing defenders will always make mistakes. There's always a will. risk when you yeah. sign them, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. Aston Villa want a striker, but they don't know who they want. So that's always going to be a problem in the January window. Jordan <laughs> uh, Shakiri uh, has been a subject of an offer from Roma. That's been rejected by Liverpool, according to the Daily Express. And we're going to finish off by talking about Norwich's two signings. They spent £1 million in the summer. Now they've signed two players in the space of 24 hours. Bundesliga players Lukas Rupp from Hoffenheim and Andre Duda from Hertha Berlin have joined Daniel Fark's side at Carrow Road. Is that too little too late for the Canaries, though, do you feel, Jim? I think they're just too far adrift to make a fist of it, even if they brought in, I don't know, some top quality players. I mean, these are two names that every football fan knows about, aren't they? I mean, they've been (laughs) top of the shopping list for every Premier League. I mean, I've never heard of either of them. And my knowledge of Bundesliga football is very limited, so it's probably no surprise I've never heard of either of them. But it feels to me like Norwich are building for next season. I think they're looking at the Championship and wondering how they can strengthen there because there's players that will leave that club even when they get relegated, I'm talking Cantwell, Max Ahrens, I think looks absolutely mustard. Yes. I think he'll be off somewhere. Pukki, I can't decide whether he'll get a big offer from a Premier League club. Someone will take a chance on him, a promoted team maybe. Yeah. But I think Norwich are looking to the future already. They, I think they're resigned to relegation and will be building for the championship and these signings stink of that. Eight, eight points. Eight points adrift they are. They're just, it's, too, it's too large a gap. at this. They've only, they've only got 14 points all season. So to suggest that they're going to claw back eight points uh, <laughs> over the over the remaining fixtures uh, it's a it's a huge ask they'd need a lot of luck i mean we've seen it before we've seen clubs get out get out of these scrapes before and mm. what they ultimately they need to go and they need to go on a bit of run and hope that the clubs above them you know can they so they can kind of fall away a little bit so they can drag teams back in but it's too little too late for me they yeah. are literally going to be 
play, playing back in the Championship next year, unfortunately. You watch now, Lucas Rupp's going to score 15 goals in the <laughs> between now and the end of the season. Lee, Jim, thanks very much. I've been Niall. This has been Football Social Daily from the Sports Social. We'll have another Premier League update for you again tomorrow. Make sure you check us out on social media where we'll be keeping you up to date on all the latest transfer news in the Premier League. So make sure you do that. We'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.